there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. So we've been looking at building the legacy of prosperity. Tell your neighbor, building the legacy of prosperity. And I gave you point number one, which is... How do you build the legacy of prosperity? You build the legacy of prosperity by introducing your family to God. And I spoke to men last Sunday, to fathers, to husbands, and challenged them. And I've started getting some very positive feedback from wives. They're saying, my husband has changed. My husband is waking me up in the morning to pray. One lady said, my husband woke me up to pray. And instead of praying, she was crying. And she couldn't believe. Wow. Kumbe, I'm anointed. Tell your neighbor, it is working. Yes, yes, yes. So I really gave the man a charge last Sunday. If you are a man and you didn't watch that message, I encourage you to watch it so that your family can become better. So number two. Number one was introduce your family to God for you to build the legacy of prosperity. Number two, which I want to focus on today is introduce your lineage to the discipline of generosity. Introduce your lineage to the discipline of generosity. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this moment. I pray that may you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. This year we are building a kingdom legacy. Amen. I say this year we are building a kingdom legacy. Amen. Now, you must introduce your lineage to the discipline of generosity. The reason why you must do that is because all of us, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different families. And these families have been classified. You are either coming from a rich family. You are coming from a family that belongs to the middle class, or you're coming from a poor family. Now, for those who came from rich families, you know that uh, it's not so bad to be rich. It's a blessing to be rich, isn't it? Please, talk to me. Or all of you have never come from a... Okay, let me start then from the other side. Those who have come from poor families, poor poor families, you know that poor families, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. Oh, that's where I should have started, isn't it? Now, if you come from a poor family, you know that it, it, it can be tough. But those who come from rich families, you know that it can be fantastic. There are very many things that you escape. And sometimes you can even take for granted, thinking that those things are just there, you know, by, by chance. But when you now step out of that environment and go somewhere else, you realize it was actually a blessing. Then there are those who are in the middle class, and many of us are in the middle class there. You have not really made it, but also you are not very, very poor. Or your family has not really, really made it, but your family is not also very, very poor. You're just in the middle there, and you're looking forward to going higher so you can be among the rich and the wealthy. But for for those who came from poor families, you know that it was not easy. It was very tough. It was very difficult. It was very stressful to belong to a family Um, that is poor. Because you don't get to enjoy certain things. 
You don't get to enjoy certain things. As, you're, as a child, as you're growing up, you see your neighbors with some things that when you go and tell your parents about those things, you are beaten, you are slapped, you are pinched, and you're told never to speak like that again. Can I have a witness? You're very quiet this morning. Am I, am I, am I saying the truth? Yeah, you will see your neighbor, your neighbor's children wearing shoes. You go home and say, hey, buy for me shoes, and you're slapped. You know, you're told, uh, who told you that there are shoes in this house? You know, you're told many, many things until you think that that's how life, you know, is supposed to be. So when you come from a poor, poor, poor family, rather, there are things that you are denied. It can be very, very stressful. You know, food sometimes was a problem. Um, you're told you eat once a day. And uh, there are people who eat four times a day. You know, I visited a family and I was surprised that at night people wake up to eat. <laughs> I was very shocked. I've never seen something like that. They were even telling me, what time should we wake you up? Me, I know after I eat my ugali, it's until morning. But those guys wake up around midnight go to the fridge, remove food, and they eat, and then they go back to sleep. <laughs> but you know, some of you, if you had that opportunity, and you had that privilege, I'm sure you could have woken up in the middle of the night to eat, isn't it? That's why some people, they don't eat dinner early. It's a strategy. Yeah, they push it until 11.30 there. Tell your neighbor, poverty is bad. Hey! Yeah. Being in a poor family, sometimes you don't even have good clothes. Yeah. You dress, but you don't have, you don't have the courage to come out of the house. You don't have the courage. Some people, because of poverty, you are forced to wear girls' clothes. And you are a boy. And some were boys or girls, and they were forced to wear Boys' clothes. I mean, anything that anybody brought in the house was received. So if somebody thought that the babies who were born were girls and he brought girls' clothes only to discover they were boys, the parents don't say, no, 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 go back with them. They receive them. Because that's all they have. That's all they got. That's what I'm saying. You know, belonging to a poor family was very, very stressful. Education was a problem. When they are chasing people who have arrears, school fees arrears, you don't even wait for your name to be called. Yeah, you, you just know it is obvious, isn't it? You, you start preparing yourself to do what? To go. To go home. That's what I'm saying. It can really, really be stressful. I mean, is there, just the other day that I had people go for holiday. As when we were growing up, there's nothing like holiday. Holiday to where? The best holiday is you are taken to sharks. That's your holiday. You go to sharks there. And then you come back with jiggers. You guys are not ready for my preaching today. Should I, should I, should I go with my message or what? It can be stressful. Very, very stressful. No good health care. 
Even the house you're living in, not very good. Small, squeezed. You are many there. You get your corner and sleep. Whoever comes first is the one who get the best place to sleep. If you come late, you have to survive. If you wake up in the morning, somebody has worn your clothes. And you can't tell them to remove them. Belonging to a poor family can be very stressful. And there are many reasons for this. Some of the reasons can be when a family finds itself in such a situation, it can be because of the death of a breadwinner. Sometimes the breadwinner can die suddenly and that throws the entire family into a spin. They don't know where to start from, especially if the mother or the wife was just a mother at home, a wife at home, depending on this man for everything. And all of a sudden the man dies. The wife doesn't even know where to start from. Doesn't know anything about his businesses. Doesn't know anything about what he was doing. Doesn't know anything about his company. And all of a sudden, the family that was doing well begins to experience a lot of problems. Sometimes lack of planning for the children can also contribute to poverty. You know, you can give children, but you're, you, you can give birth to children, but you're not thinking what they will eat. You're not thinking how they will be educated. You don't have a plan for the children. You're just giving birth to them. One time I went to a homestead and I was so surprised. There were so many children, like 15, following each other. Hey! So many, small, 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 small. Have you seen a wathog? You guys, have you seen a wathog? A father and mother wathog with their children. So many little, little, little children. That's how that homestead looked like. When you don't have a plan for your family, poverty is knocking at the door. If you don't have a plan for your children, you're just giving birth, giving birth, giving birth, and no plan. Poverty is staring at you because those guys will get to a place where they are going to school. If you have 15... How many pairs of socks? 15. How many pairs of shoes? How many pairs of books? Then school fees multiply by, by 15. It can be stressful. So look at them and tell them, have a plan. Every time you sow a seed. Poor financial decisions also lead families into poverty, making wrong turns without thinking, without planning, without strategizing well, without thinking through the process. Can plunge your family in serious debts and serious poverty. You must realize when you get to a certain place, especially if you are a father, that every decision you make does not just impact you. It impacts the people that you, you lead. Every move you make, it is a make or break.
for the people who depend on you. And so you have to really be calculative. You must be meticulous in your approach to life-changing decisions. You have to be very careful because if you make a wrong move, you open up the door to struggles, to poverty, to lack, to many, many problems in the life of your family members. Laziness can also introduce poverty in our lives. Lack of exposure. Your mind is blocked. You're not thinking. Your mind is shut. Can't see far. I had another president say, I can't see far from West Africa. You can't see far. You're not exposed to really know how things work. You can also open up the door for poverty. But also, there's something here that I want to mention, and that's what I'm going to dwell on, and this is stinginess. Somebody say stinginess. stinginess. Shout it louder, stinginess. stinginess. Stinginess can also open up your life to poverty. Stinginess can open up your family to poverty. Now, in some families, generosity was never practiced. The entire family was stingy. The father was stingy. The mother was stingy. The children became stingy because that was what was passed on to them. Their families were, nobody was invited even to share a meal with them. Very stingy. They never gave anything out to anyone. Some families even portrayed a picture of poverty to their neighbors because they didn't know, they didn't want their neighbors to know they have something small. Somebody told me they used to go for shopping at night. I asked why. Because we didn't want to know. We didn't want the neighbors to know that we have some monies. So they go at night. They used to go at night. And then when they come, they don't go straight to the house. They keep the shopping in the car. After they are sure the neighbors are in the house, they have locked the doors. That's when they remove the shopping to take it to the house. I visited a family where you could hear music, but it was coming from the bedroom. And I asked the man, why are you putting music? He said, hey, I don't want people to know I have this thing. You just hear, doom, 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 doom. Say, bring this thing here so we enjoy them. He said, hey, So they don't know how big the jukebox is. They don't know if it was a speaker that is put on top of a pot. So people don't know. You just make, you guess. Some parents even teach their children to be stingy. When they give them something, say, don't share it with anybody. Pack lunch for them, tell them, don't give to anyone. Don't share this. Don't share this banana with anyone. Don't share this piece of bread with anyone. And that child goes to school with that mind. It's time to eat. The child will go behind the toilet somewhere to hide and eat alone there. What you're doing is you are opening up your family to poverty. Stinginess is another doorway through which poverty access, accesses our lives. Now, this is what happens. Some of these children, someone say some of these children. Some of these children who grew up in these homes where 
there is a lot of stinginess. You don't share what you have. You don't give what you have. You never saw your father give anything to anyone. You didn't, you didn't see your mother give anything to anyone. They don't support anyone. They don't support the church. They don't support any project. They don't, in fact, maybe they are complaining. Why are they collecting offerings? Has the talk in the house. Why are they collecting offerings? Why are we doing this? Why should we do this? Why? So that thing gets so much inside you as a child and you start growing up in it. And the sad thing is, some of those children are in our churches today. And some of them are seated next to you. Look at your neighbor them. Are you the one? They never saw generosity. They never saw it being practiced in the home. What they saw was stinginess. What they saw was hoarding. And I'll talk about hoarding. That's what they saw in the house. What comes never leaves. It stops with us. What is brought to them never leaves. It stops with them. And so we have all these children who grew up, grew up in these homes in our churches today. And boy, they are stingy like a flint. No matter what you preach, it's like the word just hits them. Boom! And comes back. Because their mind has not been renewed. That's the generation we are dealing with. Their minds are warped concerning giving. Because to them, they are thinking giving is losing. They prefer holding and keeping what they have. And they are not willing to give anything that will benefit others, benefit the church, or even benefit the kingdom of God. Now, if they don't choose to align with God's word, if they don't choose to allow the word of God to shatter those mindsets, if they don't allow the word of God to transform their thinking, what will happen is they will continue with the tradition of stinginess and then a vicious cycle of poverty will continue to plague the family. Their parents struggle to make ends meet. Now they are also struggling to make ends meet. They have to change their minds. They have to change their perspective on generosity. And they have to allow the word of God to penetrate their hearts, transform their minds, become generous so they can break the vicious cycle of poverty in their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. You can be born poor, but don't die poor. You can grow up in poverty, but you don't have to die in poverty. You can change it. Tell your neighbor you can change it. Because my introduction is depressing. Please give somebody a high five and just tell them you can, you can, you can change it. Because I can feel depression in the room. Give them high ten. Tell them you can change it. You, 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 you can change You have a choice. You can change it. Yes, you can break it. You can break it. You can break it. And you, become, you can become a different person in your family. Can I get a louder amen? amen? Listen to this. You must determine to break the pattern of stinginess in your subconscious mind by inculcating the discipline of generosity. Let me say that again. You must determine... To break the pattern of stinginess in your subconscious mind by inculcating the discipline of generosity. 
You have to determine that you're going to break it. You saw it, but you determined from, from me onwards, I am going to build a different kind of legacy. I'm going to determine a different direction for my lineage. I'm going to practice generosity so that whoever comes out of me will also become a very generous soul. Can I hear an amen? John chapter 3 verse 16 is a scripture that we know. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his only begotten son. So you can see that the nature of God is the nature of giving. When you come to God, when you submit yourself to God and you allow Jesus to regenerate or the Holy Spirit to regenerate your spirit, you acquire the nature of God. And the nature of God is the nature of giving, is the nature of, uh, is the nature of generosity. And that nature should transform your thinking. It should transform your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind should be renewed so that you shatter your old mindsets, the things that were instilled in you, so that you realize, hey, I must build a legacy of prosperity for my children through the discipline of generosity. Why am I calling it a discipline? It's because naturally you don't want to do it. Naturally, you don't feel like doing it. Naturally, you are still referring to how you were raised and what you saw. Naturally, you have that inclination. And that's why it has, be, it has to become a discipline, something that you fight to have in your life. You have to discipline yourself to do it. You have to fight to have it. You have to fight to practice it, regardless of what was instilled in your head. Touch your neighbor and tell them it requires discipline. Tell them again, it requires discipline. So building a legacy of prosperity requires the discipline of generosity. Where you say, I'll be generous. I'll give to others. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know why America is blessed? It's a very generous country. Yeah? They, give, they donate billions and billions and billions to other countries. That's why it can never be poor. Right now they are helping Ukraine. As we have never even sent anything to Ukraine. We are just sending prayers. <laughs> Am I saying the truth? Yeah. America is sending help everywhere. Everywhere. NGOs here, most of them are supported by Americans. Yes. There is a Bible school I went, and it's a young girl of 16 years old who supported my coursework. Yes, very generous people. Yeah. That's why even me, I'm supporting people. I'm supporting people. I've educated a lady. Yes, she didn't have nothing, but we decided, Pastor Mary and I, we are going to educate her. She has now finished from four, by the grace of God. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is through generosity yeah, that we shall fight this thing called poverty. Look, I can pray for you. I can anoint you. I can sit on you. I can stand on you. I can lie on you. I can cover you with a duvet that is soaked in oil. But if you're not generous, I am anointing poverty in your life. Tell your neighbor, you have to practice discipline generosity. Now, 
we go deeper or we stop there? Or we jump to the anointing part in the afternoon? Ways to develop a lifestyle of generosity. Ways to develop a lifestyle of generosity. Number one, practice generosity with your time. Practice generosity with your time. Time is a precious gift given to all of us by God. But it can also quickly come to an end. It can be cut short. Yeah, and there are many things which can cut short the time you have here on earth. Diseases can do that. Accidents can do that. Bullets can do that. Pandemic, look at how COVID-19 took people to the grave. Just as a joke. Just as a joke. I can't believe Papa Shirandula is dead. Just like that and he's gone. So you have to really practice generosity with your time because let me tell you, time can also quickly come to an end. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So that shows you that there is a season and there is time. There is a season and there is time. There is a season for you to do something and there is time for you to do that particular thing. And if you don't maximize on that season, then you'll be told, time out. You don't have all the time the way you think. That's why you must learn to give it away before it expires. Use your time and give it to your family. Spend time with your family. Use your time and give it to your community. Serve your community. Use your time and give it to church. Volunteer to serve in the church and do something in the church. Volunteer and do evangelism. Take part of your time and say, this one I'm giving to God. Visit the sick in the hospital and pray for them. I mean, take part of your time and just give it and say, this one, I want to give it away to serve my community, to serve my church, to serve God, to make the life of somebody else better. Can I get an amen? Yeah. One time I went to pray for one of my members who were very sick in the hospital. And one thing she told me was, if God heals me, I'm going back to serve him like never before. I feel like I didn't serve God the way I should have. But she didn't make it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, the Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You have to redeem it. You have to make use of it as a gift and say that I'm going to set aside this amount of time to give to people, to my community, to my church, to God as a gift because time is limited. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, how you spend your time is key in building a legacy of prosperity. Number two, practice generosity with your gifts, talents, and skills. Practice generosity with your gifts, with your talents, and with your skills. I need to let you know that each of us is uniquely gifted by God. Your gift might not be visible. Your gift might not be glamorous. Your gift might not be pronounced. But each of us, we have been uniquely gifted by God. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the Bible commands us, to minister to one another according to the measure of the gift that we have received. Because each one of us 
has something. Look at the neighbor and tell them you have a gift. So use your gift, use your talent, use your skills to benefit others, to benefit your community, to benefit your church, to benefit even the country that you live in. Because no matter how small it is, it is still very, very important. Amen. You see, gifts are like organs in our bodies. They are organs which are visible, but they are organs which are not visible, isn't it? Like, for example, have you ever seen your kidney? How sure are you you have it? Eh? The reason why you're sure you have it is because you're not on dialysis. Isn't it? Your body is able to remove toxins by itself, isn't it? How many believe you have a liver? You believe you have a liver. Have you ever seen it? What makes you believe you have it? Eh? <laughs> so you don't even know what a liver does in your body. How many believe you have intestines? Large and small intestines. You know. Are you sure? Have you ever touched them? Have you ever seen them? How do you know you have them? Because your body is doing things naturally. Telling you that every system is working. Every organ is working. Even the ones that you have not seen. Isn't it? So some gifts are like that. They are not very visible, but they are still very, very important. That's why we need all the gifts in the house of God. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we need your gift to make our church better. We need your gift to make the country better. We need your gift to make people's lives better. So no matter how small it is, I want you to know that it is required that you volunteer your gift, volunteer your skill, volunteer your talent to be able to make the lives of other people better. The other day, I saw a story. I've never forgotten this story. It's a very powerful story of this lawyer who was watching this woman who was in, the, um, in, in court and she was trying to fight for custody for her children. And she didn't have money. And when this lawyer was watching, something grieved him. And he looked for that woman. And she told that woman, from today, I'm the one representing you. And he represented that woman, free of charge. Never charged her until she won the case. What a blessing. I say, what a blessing. So you have a skill, you have a gift, you have a talent. That you can decide, this one I'm volunteering to just benefit somebody else's life. I just want to be a blessing to this person. I want to be a blessing to this family. I'll use my gift. I'll use my skill. I'll use my talent. I will do everything I can with my endowments to make our church better, to make our community better, or to make this country better. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let's look at Exodus chapter 35. Give me those scriptures quickly. And Exodus chapter 30, no, 36. So we can look at 35 first. Exodus chapter 35, verse 25. Exodus chapter 35, verse 25. It talks about Moses when he's commanding the children of Israel to, you know, to build the house of God. And look at what happened here. Women came forward, men came forward, and they were coming with their skills. And all the women who were gifted, artisans, span yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, of purple, of scarlet, and fine linen. Verse 26. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom, spanion of God's hair. So women were involved and they brought their skill to span, to span yarn. 
so it can be used for the building of the tabernacle. Now jump to verse 30. Same chapter, verse 30. DJ. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Har, of the tribe of Judah. Uh-huh. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and all manner of workmanship. Go to the next verse. To design artistic works. To work in gold and silver and bronze. Next verse. In cutting jewels for setting. In carving wood. To work in all manner of artistic workmanship. Verse 34. And he has put in his hand the ability to teach in him. And Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. Verse 35. He has filled them with the skill to do all the manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine linen, and of the weaver. Those who do every work and those who design artistic works. So they were supposed to use their skill, volunteer their skill, their talent for the building of the tabernacle. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a blessing? And then look at chapter 36 and verse 1. Look at what it says. And Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan, artisan in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. God was so confident with these guys. He knew that whatever he commands, they will do it. Why? Because they were skillful. You understand what I'm saying? So they had to volunteer. They didn't come and say, okay, how much are you paying us? They had to volunteer because in the first place, it's God who put that ability and skill in their lives. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yes, I don't pay Macau to do what he's doing, the paperwork for the church. He said, I will volunteer. I'll volunteer my time. I'll volunteer my skills. I will volunteer my connections. The people he knows, he talks to. So you must also come to a place where you say, I will volunteer something to make the life of somebody else better. I'll volunteer my skills. I'll use my talents to make our church better. Praise the Lord. Amen. So if you can sing, step forward and sing. Because when you sing in the shower, nobody will hear you. If you're on a, a good administrator, step forward and say, I want to volunteer my skills to help with administration. Yes. Whatever skill you have, whatever talent you have, you must volunteer it for the benefit of the church, of others, your community, and your country. Number three, practice generosity with your possessions. Practice generosity with your possessions. I mentioned the word hoarders because some years back, I used to watch a TV series program called Hoarders. And this program was very interesting because it featured people who are unable to part with even the tiniest possessions of what they owned. Everything they bought, they kept it, even when they don't need it. They just kept it. So their houses were full of all these many, many things, many clothes, many gadgets that they were not even using. The house was like a mountain of garbage. And they were so attached to these things that they were not ready to let them go. And I think that's a reflection of some of us. We are hoarders. 
you have shoes that you just want to sit there. But you don't wear them. You have clothes that you just want to see them in your wardrobe. When you bought the clothes, your waist was 16. Now your waist is 35. But you derive a lot of comfort and enjoyment and pleasure by just seeing the dress there. But you can't let it go. And we have so many things that we have kept for ourselves, things that we don't need, things that can benefit somebody else, things that actually where you have reached, you, are level, you have gone to another level that you don't even need those things. You have even Mabati cups, the ones you started life with. You just love seeing them there in the wall unit. Old kitchenware, rusted spoons, and rusted forks. Broken plates. You have even used super glue. <laughs> Cups without handles. Mugs without handles. Jugs without handles. But you are still using it. Oy, 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 oy. I'm preaching good in this house. Ask your neighbor, what is it that you have that you don't need? So many things until our house is like a garbage, a gadget, a, 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 a garbage pan, can rather, full of all these many things that we don't even need. Some even have cars, old cars. Number plate is KUT, or KTN, or KTZ, or KT something. The car is just there, he's on top of rocks, and there's no engine. But you just love seeing it there. Hold us. Let somebody come and scratch that car, which doesn't have an engine. There will be a meeting in the house, a family meeting. Everybody should explain who scratched that car. Hold us. Tell your neighbor, hold us. So you have this house that is full of so many things that you don't need. Now you have even invited, now cockroaches are in your house, uh, bed bugs are in your house, there is a funny stench in your house. Please, you're very quiet, but I'm preaching anyway. Your house is ugly, your house is confused, there is no order, there is no space. Old curtains, old curtains. Luke chapter 12. Today you are going to declutter your house. After this fasting, there is going to be a thorough cleaning in your house in the name of Jesus. A radio that doesn't work. Still there. You just want to see it. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. What does the Bible say? Luke 12, 15. And he said to them, take heed, beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. It's not how many things you have. You didn't hear what I said. 
I say it's not how many things you have. It's the quality things that you possess that count at the end of the day. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. The man is doing well. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Verse 18. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat. Drink. And be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night, this night, your soul will be required of you. Then, whose will, whose will those things be which you have provided? In other words, who, who will they belong to? You see, the guy is rich already. But he's not thinking about other people, he's just thinking about himself. That's what happens to many of us because of stinginess. We just think about ourselves. I wish he said, oh, because I'm so blessed, let me think of how I can bless my neighbors. I can bless this. I can bless this. I can bless this. I can bless this person. I went to church and I saw a certain brother and he's in need of this. I think I need to bless that person. I think there's a family in church that don't have food. Let me bless. But because he was thinking about himself, God called him a fool. And he said, tonight, you will not even eat supper. What you give will leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. What you keep when you die, you leave it behind. So tell your neighbor, choose. Hmm. So are we going to do some thorough cleaning? Remove those things? Clothes? Some of you even have mattresses. They have been eaten by rats, but you are still holding on to them. Let them go in Jesus' name. Number four. This is where I was trying to get to. I'm done with my introduction now. Practice generosity with your money. Practice generosity with your money. Somebody shout, my money. Now, money is a very emotive issue. And sometimes when you speak about money, people get tensed. The air becomes very thin. And you can even hear... You can almost hear a pin drop on the ground. Money makes people uncomfortable, but it's not supposed to be like that. It's because of our warped minds that when money is involved or mentioned, we have preconceived ideas about money. But money, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, money is in the Bible. Tell your neighbor, money is in the Bible. Have you realized people don't even want us to talk about money in the church? If you say money, say, oh, here we go. Everything was fine. The anointing was fine. The worship was... The moment he mentioned money, he spoiled everything. But money is in the Bible. Oh, yes. And I'll prove to you. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after they have... They have had from the truth, from the faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, the Bible says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is another name for money. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, he says, He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 to, to whatever, whatever. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be no high-minded, no trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So money is in the Bible. And God has mentioned money is in the, in the Bible. And you can read so many scriptures that talk about money. It's because God expects you to be generous with your finances as well. God expects you to be generous with your monies, the monies that you make every day, because he's the one who has given you the brain, the strength, and the ability to make the monies that you are making. Amen. Ask your neighbor for me, do you got some money? Did they say yes? Or they are trying to show you they don't have money. So generosity in this area lays the foundation upon which the legacy of prosperity is realized. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to challenge you to be free from money. I pray that you may be delivered from money. Because some of you, the way you cling on your money, hey, even God is surprised. Be delivered from, Jesus said you cannot serve God and then you serve money as well. You will please one and you will displease the other one. You should serve God and allow money to make you even serve God more. But it should not possess you. Possess your heart until you become stingy. You know, there are people who say, it is my sweat. It is not your sweat. It is not by power. It is not by might. People who are poor, they have two eyes like you. One nose like you. And some of them are even more educated than you. I had a guy, I had a guy who was vying for president. He had how many degrees? 15 degrees. Was it 15 degrees or something? 15 degrees and he lives in a slum and he wants to be the president of this country. You, how many degrees do you have? And you're not living in a slum. It's not by might. So you can't say it's my sweat. It is me who does this. Look, look, God can call you a fool and say tonight. Tell your neighbor, don't be called a fool by God because it is dangerous. You are beating your chest. You say, it's me, it's my intellect, it's my abilities. It's... God can say, fool, tonight. Or he can say, after this service, fool. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, don't be a fool, don't be a fool. Oh yes, oh yes. So you must be free from money. Totally free from money. Hallelujah. Yes, you must be free from money. I decided to be free from those things long time ago. Yeah, that's why so far I've given three cars. Yes, I decided to be free long time ago. I've given land for a church to build. I went there and they have built a children's center there. I was very happy. Me, when God speaks to me, I don't think twice. It's not mine, it is his. I am a steward. You think the money you have is yours? It's not yours, you are a steward. And God is checking to see. Let me see how you behave. So he gives you a thousand. And he says, hey. He calls the angels, see. <laughs> Look at this guy. 
Look at the way he's behaving. What if I give him 10,000? You are so excited. You forget about God. You're going, you're thinking about yourself with a thousand. Before you remember God, you have spent all of it. Then God says, this one, if I give him a million, he's gone. He manda. So it's not your money. You are a steward. And you must learn to be generous. Amen. I say you must learn to be generous. So you're asking me, Pastor, where do I begin with my money? Because generosity or giving of our monies lays a foundation for the prosperity of legacy. So where do I begin? Number one, you begin at the tithe level. You begin at the tithe level. Studies show that between 10 to 20% of those who attend church tithe faithfully. Between 10 and 20. If you get to 20, then that church is really doing very well. But studies are showing many of them is between 10 to 20% that do tithe faithfully. The key word there is faithfully. Somebody talk to me. I say faithfully. Because there are people who tithe once a month. Sorry, once a year rather. They will tithe only in December. Or they will bring their tithe during the crossover service. And the tithe is not the entire tithe. It's just a contribution they give to God and tell God that that's my tithe. Between 10 and 20% are faithful. Come rain, come shine, come shine. They will still be faithful to God with their monies. Even when things are thick, they will still be faithful to God. Even when there is a lot of needs around them, they will still be faithful to God. One of the things I learned a long time ago is to never play around with the tithe. And I believe that's why God is blessing me. I don't touch tithe. I made that decision a long time ago. And I've never gone back. One time I was listening to Bishop Oedepo and he was saying, you have a choice to make. If you want to tithe, tithe. If you don't want to tithe, don't tithe. Then let's meet and discuss the results. He said, you have a choice to make. Huh? Bishop Doug has written a book. I don't know if it is here. Why tithing Christians are rich and why tithing, non-tithing Christians are poor. Oh, it is not here. No. If you don't tithe, you become poor. Look, it doesn't matter what people say out there. Me, I'm telling you the truth. If you stop tithing, poverty is coming. It is knocking at your door. It's looking for you, and I'll show you from the scriptures. It's knocking at the door. Because you see, you see, you see, God, God can never lie. God can never lie. God is not like man that he should lie. He's true to his word. C can I get an amen in this house? Goodness, today you are not encouraging me to preach. It's like you're trying to shut me down. Uh, are you enjoying my message? It's powerful. This is what will help you to develop a very strong legacy of prosperity for you and your family. Praise the Lord. Yeah. By the grace of God, I want to say, my children can never be poor. Yeah, but they, they can never be poor. The, the solid foundation I have laid of tithing. I started tithing when I was in high school. The devourer can never find them. It's impossible. Let me show you a scripture here. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. 
Malachi chapter 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be no room enough to receive. Verse 11. Then he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor, the, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. And all nations will call you blessed, for you'll be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. All these are blessings that are attached to tithing. God says, I will rebuke the devourer. Who is the devourer? It's the guy who comes. When you have come with shopping from Turkey and you have put in your shop, then you are told there was a fire at Gikomba. And you have not even sold any. That is a devourer. That's a devourer. Who is a devourer? You've just bought your nice new car. Then you take it to their garage so they can put tint on the windows. Then you tell the mechanic, please bring it to my house. It never arrived. It's a devourer. God says, when you tithe, I will rebuke the devourer. I will fight the devourer. Anybody that is after your progress, anybody that is after your increase, anybody that is after your demotion, I will fight that person myself. You don't have to fight him. You just do the tithing. I will do the fighting for you. I wish I had a witness in this house. Oh, yes. Yes, that's what God says. Try me in this and see. And see. And see, I will fight for you. That's what I'm telling you. Because of the solid foundation of me I've laid for my, my children can never be poor. My grandchildren can never be poor. Yeah, they can't. Because already the foundation has been set. You see, we are talking about a legacy of prosperity. These are some of the things you need to put into place. We have even taught our children to tithe. Every time we give them something, they have to tithe. That's where you start from. Because if you can't conquer the tithe, even offerings, you'll be complaining, you'll be whining, you'll be feeling inconvenience. Why are they taking my money? You're complaining, you're not happy in your heart, you are sad in your heart, you're not even enjoying the message I'm preaching today. Nobody is standing today as I'm preaching. I wish somebody can stand while I'm preaching about tithing so I know that you're enjoying the mess. Nobody is standing. But if you become a tither, you know that this thing works. And ladies and gentlemen, this thing has worked in my life. Yes, I'm now 46, I think 45, 40, 46 years old. I've enjoyed the blessings of God. I've enjoyed perfect health. God has rebuked the devourer. I'm not sickly. I've never been admitted in the hospital. At 45, I do yearly checkups. Clean bill of health. So I'm telling you what I've experienced. If you come to my house, it doesn't look like a chemist. Some of your houses, they look like a chemist. You have medicine from one end to another. The devourer has come to your house and you don't realize that all those medicines, if you put them together, you're looking at 20,000, you're looking at 30,000, you're looking at 50,000, you're looking at 60,000, 
The monies you could have put into the kingdom of God, the devourer has come and has taken it. And you have not even added doctor's consultation fee. The devourer has come. Now he's in your house. He is waiting for you to give birth to children. When you give birth to children, the disease that he has plagued you with, he transfers it to your children. So you are taking medicine for pressure. Hey, you're very quiet. You're swallowing medicine for pressure, isn't it? Then you get your children. At 17, they are also telling me I'm having pressure. Because the devourer has come. Now he's in the house. He lives with you in the house. Yes. He's determining the course of your life. He's in the house. God cannot rebuke him because you have not given God that which is his. So his hands are tied. So your child also has pressure. Then your child gets another, uh, also gets children. They are also having pressure. No wonder even doctors are now very, very clever. When you go and say you have a certain disease, they ask you, did your mother have it? Because they understand the devourer. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. They will ask you, did you see it in your father? Did you see it in your mother? Is there anybody else in your family that you know has this thing? Because he has been allowed to visit the lineage. Now the devourer is in the lineage, wrecking havoc in the lineage. You have to decide to break it. I see you breaking it in Jesus' name. I, say, I see you breaking it through tithing in the name of Jesus. You will not pass on to the next generation. God says I'll rebuke him. For your sake. For your sake. My goodness. I love this. Then what does he say? I will pour. Somebody say pour. He says, I will pour blessing. I wish I, anyway, I can just explain. I will pour out for you such a blessing. To pour means to move with a continuous flow. This is consistent supply. As long as tithing is in place, the outpouring of God's blessings won't stop, no matter the generation involved. As long as tithing has been established and it is in place, let me tell you, the outpouring of God's blessings will not stop, no matter the generation. God will keep on blessing the generation, 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 blessing the generation. It's just flowing from one family to another, from one generation to another, from one generation to another. I looked, I looked, I looked, I looked at the family of Bishop Oedipo. I admired that family. I admired it. Because of such a solid tithing foundation he has laid in the family. His children are so blessed. They're not preaching with him. And when you look at him, he's very old, but he doesn't look old. Hey, are you here, somebody? Yes. Are you here? Yes. So look at everybody and tell them, this year, 2023, my, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a faithful tither. <laughs> Bishop Doug now, he's serving with his son. His son now is the senior pastor of the church he started. He's thinking of starting another one. 
A legacy has been built. You, you get to a place where even if your children want to be poor, they cannot be poor. Pastor said, they cannot be poor. The system. Kenyans, do you understand the system? <laughs> the deep state in your family has laid such a strong foundation that they can never be poor. Never be poor. Look, poverty should not be something that is in your family. Yeah, you break it in Jesus' name. I say you break it in Jesus' name. So the blessings of God can flow and flow and flow and flow in your family. In Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? amen. Shout a louder amen. amen. Can we go deeper or you're scared? Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9. Today we are dealing with the devourer. He will not touch you. Yes, because you are changing your ways. Hebrews chapter 7. Even Levi, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. Verse 10. For he was still in the loins of his father. When Melchizedek met him. So as Abraham was offering tithe, that tithe was having an effect on the children who were in his loins. Aish. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. As he was tithing faithfully to Melchizedek, the tithe was releasing blessings on his seed, on his lineage, by the time these guys are coming out of Abraham, they are so blessed. Too much. Because their father was a tither. Look, some of you, if your father was a tither, let me try this side. This side, if your father was a tither. Okay, let's go back. If your grandfather was a tither. And then your father, a tither. By the time you appear on the scene, things are already in place. But you can see some of you, your grandfather never tithed. Your great, 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 never tithed. Never tithed. The devourer has been in your lineage for ages. Ages. He was just waiting for you. Ages. Now you have come. You're also playing with the tithe. The same fate that befell them will befall you. That's what I'm preaching to you. So you break it. This year, 2023, you can't behave like 2022. Playing around with your tithe. You can't. After this message, you have to change. And say, so this year, I'm beginning a new, 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 new lineage through my tithing. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? As you tithe, your children are tithing. Yes. As you tithe, your lineage is tithing. By the time they come and then they get into the flow, the blessings just continue flowing. God says, I will pour blessings. Continuous pouring, outpouring of God's blessings in your life and in your lineage. I'm enjoying this. Powerful. Hmm. Number two. From tithe, where do we go? Offerings. Because it's your money we are talking about here. Somebody say offerings. 
God speaks to his children with concern in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Then he says, in tithes and offerings. I'm trying to speak like God. In tithes and offerings. Then he says, you are cursed. Mercy Lord, with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, look, the reason why there's a curse is because you don't give tithe. Secondly, you don't even give your offerings to me. There are some things I've instituted that you bring to me because they are mine. You have refused to give them to me. You consume what is mine. Then God says, no wonder there's a curse that has come upon you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you to respect curses. Because curses are real. Did you hear what I said? Respect curses because they are real. And they do happen. If you want to know how curses are real, may God give you an opportunity. You go and travel to countries which are developed, and then you come back to Kenya or Africa. You realize the curse is real. When I travel to African countries, they are all the same. When you are landing, you just see confusion. While you're, while you're up there, <laughs> while you're up there, you see confusion. Dusty roads. Confusion. You just see buildings are arranged haphazardly. There are countries when you are landing, you see order from up there. Curses are real. I say curses are real. And the reason why we are poor is because we are stingy as Africans. Very stingy. We don't give to other countries. We don't support other countries. All we want is for people to help us. Send us money. Send us aid. Help us in this. Help us in this. Help us in this. Oh, we want this. We want this. We want this. That's all we are talking about. We sent our leaders to travel all over the world to meet so-and-so so that they can get some money. Kenya is in debt. I heard somebody say they should just sell this country. They pay the debt. Then the balance, they give everyone. Kila mtu ajipange. We are in serious debt. And we are sinking deeper and deeper and deeper in debt. Because the only thing we are thinking about is give us. Give us. Who will give us? And when you give us, and you give us our, your conditions, we decide to abide by your conditions because we really need the money. God says, you have robbed me. Why is he saying that? It's because you have denied me what belongs to me. Let's go deeper. Can we go deeper? Now, there are different types of offerings. We have alms, we have fast fruits, we have thanksgiving, we have sacrificial offerings, we have offerings for church projects, like the one we're going to have this coming Sunday. It will be offerings for church, the building of God's church. Amen. Somebody gets excited. We're going to have offerings for building of God's house this coming Sunday. Amen. Now, these offerings... There's something I want you to see here. Then I'll finish. Offerings are not for the pastor. You understand what I'm saying? Offerings are not for the pastor. Offerings are for God. Because there are people who think, ah, oh, as we give this money. In fact, you're doing your calculations in this service. I say, ah, what? If everybody gives like 500 or 1,000, you have your mathematics in your head. 
I say, wow, pastors are making money. Offerings are not for pastors. A genuine man of God is even scared of the offering. Because an offering can kill you. That's why me, I decided from the word go, I'm not even touching your offering. There are people who will be counting your offering and banking them. I don't touch your money. I don't bank your money. I don't. If you follow me after this service with a gun on my head, you'll get nothing. <laughs> a genuine man of God is scared of the offering. I always remember Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Eli. I remember them. They died next to offerings. So I don't pray with offerings. Because some of you, as you are giving, tears are rolling down your cheeks. Yes. It's a sacrifice. You are giving a sacrifice to God and you are crying. How can I play with that money? How can I play with that money? Some of you have sacrificed. You've decided instead of having, uh, instead of having chapati and, and, and beef and, 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 uh, and chicken, you've decided we will have rice and beans so that you have an offering. You're giving as you're crying. It's a sacrifice. How can I play with that? Unless I'm mad in my head. I can't. And so a genuine pastor is also afraid of the offering. Because I've seen what it has done to people in the Bible. One day, I used to have a worker in the church. And I didn't know he was stealing offerings. Because we used to have what we call the let, let box where we put our offerings. So one time I remember one of my daughters came and said, did you receive my tithe? I said, which one? I brought my tithe. I said, me, I don't follow even the records. I don't even know. Why don't you follow up with the finance people? So the finance people checked. They didn't find their tithe. She said, no, I brought my tithe yesterday. I put in the let offering box. So I told them, follow up. So they discovered that guy had a key. When we close, he also has another key. Every day he used to come and check what is there. Removes the money. To go and use that money. I warned him. I told him, you are playing with fire. This thing will kill you. I'll not finish the story. The offerings are not for the pastor. That's what I'm trying to say. The offerings are for God. Anything you're giving is for God, not for the pastor. The moment you start thinking like that, then you will know that God is looking at me as I'm bringing a gift to him. And so I must honor him. I must give from my heart. I must give generously. I must give sacrifice. Because God is looking down on me to see how much I love him. Because it's not for the pastor. It is for God. And I prove to you. Exodus chapter 25. Verse 1. Hmm. I'm just wondering if you guys will come in the afternoon. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 2. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me, they bring me. Who is this speaking? It is God. He said, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my. 
Who is this speaking? It's God. He said, it is my offering. Bring the offering. It is mine. I know Moses, you're the one collecting it, but it is my offering. And tell them to bring to me. Verse 3. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. He even instructs Moses, telling Moses the kind of offering that he wants. Number one, gold. Two, silver. Three, bronze. Go to verse four. Purple, blue, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair. Five, ramskins, dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood. As we are reading that list, some of you don't even know what some of those things mean. Isn't it? But because God has said, you will go and look for it. Verse 7. Oil for the light. Spices for the anointing oil. Onyx stones. Stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Verse 8. Keep going. And let them make me. You see, it's not even about Moses. God says the sanctuary is mine. This church we are building is not mine. I'm not believing there. That is God's house. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? That is God's house. And you will not see me putting my name on that building. It's not mine. It's God's. He says, bring, so I may build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Verse 9. Let's see verse 9. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishing. Just so you shall Make it. What is God saying here? It's my offering. It's my house. It's my offering. Tell your neighbor, it is the Lord's offering. It is the Lord's house. Can I show you another scripture? Scripture must support scripture. Isn't it, Pastor Nguri? All right. Exodus chapter 35, verse 4. Pastor Zeph, are you okay? When I play about tithe, I preach about tithing, you don't even press the keyboard. Yeah. Nobody is standing, no keyboard is being played. <laughs> and Moses, give us a scripture. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing. Which the Lord commanded, saying, verse 5, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Hi. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the... Shout it louder. To the... Then he tells them what the Lord has said. Let's go. Gold, silver, and bronze. Keep going. Blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair. Keep going. Ramskins dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, keep going. Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, keep going. Number nine, onyx stones, the stones to be set in the effort and in the. He repeated exactly what God had told him. And he told him, This offering is not mine, this offering is for the Lord. Jump to verse 20. Turn and labor again, it is for the Lord, it's for the Lord, it's for the Lord. Oh yes, it's for the Lord. And all the congregation, I pray that this will be our response this coming Sunday. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was tired and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work. Look, they brought what? 
The Lord's offering. Please talk to me. They bring what? They brought what? The Lord's offering. Yes. For the work of the tabernacle of meeting. For all its service. And for the holy garments. Let's go down. Verse 22 we see. They came. This Sunday we are coming. I said this Sunday we are coming. Are we not coming this Sunday? Are we coming this Sunday? Mm -hmm. They came. Both. Where are you? Both men and women, as many as had a willing heart and brought earrings. Hallelujah. Is, is, a, is a lady next to you wearing earrings? Please, can you do the calculations and tell me how much it is? So, so next Sunday when they are bringing an offering, I can check and see if it is in tandem with the earring they are wearing. Please check your neighbor if they have an earring. Please, you, you, you gentlemen, are you afraid of these ladies? Are they wearing some earrings? Some of them have hidden their earrings with their hairstyle. Please tell them, push the hair behind in Jesus' name. Earrings. They were removing earrings. Wow. Nose earrings. Nose rings. Wow. Does your neighbor have one? Which one? They were removing them. Rings. Does your neighbor have a ring? They were removing rings, necklaces. Does your neighbor have a necklace? I can see you have one. They were removing necklaces. Bling, bling, jewelry of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to Moses. To who? To the Lord. To the Lord. Because anything you give to the Lord, you will never ask it back. Because there are people who give, but then again they come and say, I want it back. You know, one time I saw a church where guys came and they couldn't agree. It was factions, two factions. One was supporting, I think, the assistant pastor. The other one was supporting, I think, the, the, the senior pastor. And so they couldn't agree. So they could not have a service. So what people started doing, people were removing things they had donated to that church. I saw guys carrying pews. Because as they donate, they also write their names on it. So guys were carrying their fruit at entire pew. And he's going back home with it. If you give it to the Lord, you can never take it back. Because as you're going back with it, you're wondering even if you will arrive in your house. But if you give it to man, then you can take it back. It is an offering of gold to the Lord. He's saying, God, I'm giving you this. Receive it because I love you. Amen. Now, this is the thing as I finish. As they build the tabernacle, that tabernacle did not just help them. That tabernacle helped their children. That tabernacle helped their lineage. Until when we are getting to David, David is still interested with the Ark of the Covenant because he knows the blessings of the Ark of the Covenant. What was built many years ago was taken to the house of a guy called Obedidom. And the Bible says, in seven months, he prospered. So as we are building this house, the blessings that will come upon us, may it go to 10 generations. 20 generations, 30 generations, 50 generations, 100 generations. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Yes. 
David. Now he wants the ark. And he did everything within his power to have it. Look at the ark of the covenant. The children of Israel had it. Joshua, when he's taking over from Moses, he had it and he used to walk with it. One time they were going, they were trying to cross, I think it was a river, and they could not cross it. And God says, let the priests who are carrying the ark, my presence, be the first ones. When the priests just touched the waters with their feet, the waters parted. Something that was built many years ago. It is having a ripple effect in successive generations. That's how powerful giving is. I say that's how powerful giving is. May your giving today outlast you in the name of Jesus. May your giving of tithes and offerings outlast you in Jesus' name. May it impact on your grandchildren. May it impact on your great-great-grandchildren. May, may it have an impact on many more generations after you. The 5th, the 6th, the 10th, the 20th, 30th, 40th, 50th generation. Shout a louder, Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, what stops you from being faithful with your finances? What stops you from honoring God with your monies? What stopped you or what stops you from being a faithful tither? Yet, you can see all these blessings in his word to you, to your family, and even to your lineage. Today, I came to challenge you. If you've not been tithing this year, you must start. And in fact, you must start today in the name of Jesus. And not just tithing once, become a faithful tither. As the Lord blesses you, 10%, you give it to God. Then after that, you give him offerings. We have a project ahead of us. I want to challenge you, become a giver. That we may finish this project in record time. And as you do so, the blessings of God will come upon your life. Can I hear louder? Amen. Amen. So look at the neighbor and tell them, this year I'm changing my priorities. I'll become a tither. I'll become a faithful tither. And I'll become a faithful giver of offerings. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.